0: Now, our Bible reading today is taken from the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter 3. Now, it's very easy to find. If you have a copy of the Bible, go to the New Testament, find Matthew, and as you work your way back, you'll come to the very last book of the English Bible known as Malachi. And Malachi, of course, simply means the messenger. And I want us to read together Malachi chapter 3. The words will come up in the screen. Follow with me in the reading. Or if you have a copy of the Scriptures in front of you, then you turn to the place and you read from your own personal copy of the Holy Scriptures. Let's hear the word of the Lord together. Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old, and as in former years. And I will come near to you to judgment, And I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against false swearers and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right. And fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, For have we robbed thee, in tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, If I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, For ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, what have we spoken so much against thee? Ye have said, it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance And that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. And now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text this morning is taken from Malachi chapter 3 and verse 3. It reads as follows, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. And my theme today is entitled Discovering God as a Refiner and Purifier of Silver. Now I believe, according to the context, The coming referred to here in verses 1 and 2 is not so much our Lord's second coming in power and glory, although that can be included, but in actual fact it's a reference to His coming into the world the first time. Remember when our Lord Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary? Think of Him as a little babe in Bethlehem. And then He grew up and at the age of 30 years of age, started his earthly ministry. What sort of ministry was it? Well, if you read Malachi carefully, he is telling us that it was a great refining and purifying ministry. Isn't it interesting when we read the Holy Scriptures that the Bible teaches for us a variety of ways to describe the relationship that the people of God have with the Lord himself. Think today of Father's Day. Think of a father and son relationship. What does the Bible say about that? In Psalm 103, it says in verse 13, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Remember what old Apostle John said in 1 John 3, in verse 1 and 2, "'Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, "'that we should be called the sons of God. "'Therefore the world knoweth us not, "'because it knew not him. "'Beloved, now are we the sons of God, "'and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. "'But we know that when he shall appear,' We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Think also of the shepherd-sheep relationship. Psalm 23 verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is John chapter 10. Like John Knox, that's where I first cast anchor for Christ. John 10 and 10, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And in that chapter, the Lord Jesus said three times to his disciples, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd, of course, does all that's necessary for the sheep. He makes every provision for the sheep. Psalm 23 is an unfolding of that relationship. Think also of the vine and branches, John 15. Didn't the Lord Jesus say, I am the true vine? and ye are the branches. Think of the branches joined to the vine, the branches in an organic union with the vine, drawing all the strength and sustenance it needs from the vine. You see, the life is in the vine, and the life of the vine flows out to the branch. And it's because of being connected to the vine that the branch can bear fruit, and because we're in union with Christ, we can bear fruit think of the bridegroom and the bride. Doesn't that bring us into the sacredness of the marriage relationship? You think of the closeness, the intimacy, the the security, the the joy of that uh, uh, marriage relationship. You see, I could go on and on this morning. I could set forth one beautiful analogy after another, that helps to describe the the wonderful relationship that we have with the Lord. And here's Malachi the prophet, and he's setting forth another one, and he tells us this that the Lord sits as a refiner and a pure fire of silver in relation to his own people. Those that love the Lord, those that are saved, those that are born again of the Holy Spirit. Look at our text. It says, And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. You see, the reference to the sons of Levi, Levi, remember, and his sons were chosen to be the Old Testament priests unto the Lord. And let's remember that every true born-again believer today in Christ is a part of that royal priesthood. Every true born again believer will and must act and function as a priest unto God. You see, as a, 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 a church today, a, a reformed and Protestant church, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. Remember what we read there in First Peter in chapter two, verse five ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. He says in verse 9 of the same chapter, 1 Peter 2, verse 9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you know, when I read in the book of Revelation, I read there in Revelation chapter 1 and in the verses 5 and 6, something that's a blessedness. From Jesus Christ, who's the faithful witness and first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Listen to verse 6. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. See, Malachi is prophesying that when the Messiah comes, he comes to purify and refine his people that they may bring an offering unto the Lord. And that offering is in righteousness. And of course, that offering is not as the ground of their salvation, but it's the fruit, it's the evidence of true salvation. Such would be the power of Christ's work. Such would be the light and the heat of Christ's ministry that all who would come into contact with Christ in that ministry would be affected one way or the other. We'll ask the question, what is Christ like when he comes? Well, well, here's the answer. For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. You see, when he comes, he will come to save his people. He he will come to to sanctify his people and and set them apart. When he comes, he comes to, to satisfy his people. So there's holy contentment in him. When he comes, he comes to secure his people for their safety and security alone in Christ. Who can withstand the power and purity of Christ's ministry? You see, remember, Christ puts every man to the test. Remember, every man will be measured and weighed against Christ himself. And I believe that in a coming day, even at the end of the world, in the day of resurrection, in the day of uh, judgment, every man will be judged. Every man will be tested. Uh, What's the standard the standard will be the light and life and Lord of the gospel. So so who can stand his coming? Who who can abide his appearing? And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And we want to discover God this morning as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And I want us to think of a few things from this text of scripture. I want you to think of the picture of, Of the refiner. It says, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. I want you to think of a metal worker. Now, not just any metal worker. We're not thinking about a blacksmith using heat and fire to make horseshoes for horses or to to make and, and bend metal into a particular shape. That's not the picture here. No, it's a reference to a particular type of metal worker, that of the silversmith or the goldsmith. Think of this word. He is like a refiner's fire. He shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. You've got to think of a silversmith, and he's got some of the precious metal in a crucible or a melting pot, and then he applies the heat to the metal steadily, slowly. It's a slow kind of tedious process. He sits and waits until the metal has melted like a liquid, his eyes upon it, but it's still not ready. He, he watches and he's waiting for what? For the impurities, for the dross to come to the very top. And carefully using some sort of scooping device, he creams off the dross and he keeps doing this. This is a, a process Over time, until he can look into the melting pot and see his own face and see his own reflection. And only then is he satisfied with the purity of the precious metal. You see, that's the picture of the refiner here. That's the picture of the refiner's fire. That's what's being described here. And what's the prophet saying? Well, the way that the silversmith. Or the goldsmith treats the precious metal by using the refiner's fire. That's the way the Lord deals and treats with his own children. He saved us, chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world, called in the fullness of time to repentance and faith, cleansed in the precious blood, counseled by the Spirit of God through the Scriptures, we're consecrated unto God. He he sanctifies us. He he carefully is at work in us to to wean us from sin, helping us to die unto sin and live more and more unto righteousness. Now, what means does he use? Well, it's mentioned here, he is like a refiner's fire. You see, I believe the refiner's fire is a reference to the means that God uses Well, what means does God use to save us and sanctify and satisfy and secure us? Here's the answer. He uses the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit's job and role is to reveal Christ to us and lead us into all truth. Listen to these scriptures in John's gospel. in, In John chapter 14 and in the verse 27. Remember the Lord Jesus is in the upper room in Jerusalem he's wanting to comfort his disciples. He's told them he's going away. And he says to them, John 14 verse 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, if we come down then to um, John uh, 14, uh, it, it, it says in sorry, fifteen and verse uh, twenty-six. He, he says this, but the Comforter, but when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of Truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. He said previous in John fourteen, verse seventeen. Even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in. See, the Holy Spirit also not only reveals Christ to us and leads us into all truth, but the the Holy Spirit also um, produces within us, because he dwells in us, a deep conviction and a hatred of sin. And remember, his ministry is to make us holy. That's why he's called the Holy Spirit. Our bodies have become his temples. We're, we're not our own. We're bought with a price. And the Holy Spirit who indwells us, uh, he, he's the one that, that enables us to uh, hate sin uh, and to, to love righteousness. God also uses another means, his word. John 17 and 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And you see, the more of the word of God you know, the more of the word of God you apply in your life, the more sanctified and more holy and set apart you will be. And and what a great refining book the word of God is. See, this book will keep you from sin. Sin will keep you from this book, And that's a a quotation from a man called Bob Jones Senior in uh, South Carolina In the um, Bob Jones University I believe that's why so many professing Christians are weak and sickly There's so little of the word of God Read and digested and meditated upon in a daily basis Remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 119 And we read there in Psalm 119, verses 9 to 11, it asked the question, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? And here's the answer, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. It's not enough to hear the word, it has to be heeded. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed are thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. You see, the more of the word you know, the more of the word that you um, read and digest and meditate upon, the more the word will sanctify and separate you unto the Lord. Here's another means a healthy fear of the Lord. Isn't this one of the missing ingredients in the 21st century church? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the holy, is understanding, Solomon said. Yet there's so little reference for God. There's so little true awe of God. What is the fear of the Lord? Well, remember one of those thumbnails that we preached on a few weeks ago? Isaiah 8 and 13 says, Be thou in the fear of the Lord all the days of thy life. Be thou in the dread of God. Let him be your dread. Let him be your fear. Oh, that we would discover that our God is a consuming fire. That it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Another means is a knowledge of the power of God. God is all-powerful. God is omnipotent. Remember, he's the God in whose hand their breath is. Remember, his eye is continually upon us. Like Hagar, thou, God, seest me. The psalmist prayed, search me, O God, and, and know my heart. Remember, the Lord's the one who searches Jerusalem with candles into every nook and every cranny. And he comes into our hearts and into our lives, and he searches us with his all seeing eye. And his eye is upon us, and his ear is open unto our cry. A knowledge of the power of God, how, how omnipotent our God is all powerful. And could I suggest another means? Not only the Holy Spirit who indwells us and the sanctifying effect and power of the word, and a healthy fear of the Lord, and a knowledge of the power of God, but understanding dark provinces. You see, there is such a thing providentially as the trials and troubles of life. You're not promised a trouble-free life as a Christian. I believe that some wrongly teach that a Christian should never have any problems in his life. That a Christian should never be sick. Do you know that's not true to human experience? It's not even true to the teaching of the scriptures. We'll not always be on the mountaintop. There'll be times when we're in the valley. Remember the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, speaks of the trial if your faith be much more precious than of gold. You see, these Christians understood personal opposition and the new persecution. Think of coping with the stress of an illness, coping with a severe disability for many years, coping with the the ravages of time in the body, the loss of sight, the loss of hearing, a few more wrinkles. Think about living with pain in the body and, and in need of constant medication. Think of the sorrow of bereavement, the loss of a loved one, the change that that brings. How are you going to cope? Doesn't the Bible tell us that it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting? You you think about sickness in the body and fear of death. Think about unemployment in these days of facing recession. Think of not being able to pay your bills. Maybe the loss of a home that has to be remortgaged. Think of the breakup of a relationship, not only a marital relationship, but a personal relationship. You've had a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and and they've broken up, and it's hard and difficult. You see, in all of this, the understanding of dark provinces, God is at work. And he's at work like a great heavenly refiner. And we're not to fight against this work, because this is God's work. And of course, um, once we begin to understand the role and ministry of the Holy Spirit, who's at work in us, and that God uses His Word, and God uh, applies a dread and an awe of Himself, and a knowledge that He is all-powerful, and that we're dependent on Him. And we can see these dark provinces from the hand of a benevolent Heavenly Father, who tells us, "'Trust me even in the darkness.'" Then, once we we begin to understand this, we begin to grasp something of the picture here. We, We get a picture of God's refining work in our hearts and in our lives. Remember when the Lord saves us, he also sanctifies us unto himself, and he separates us, he satisfies us, he secures us, and in that Work of the Lord, one of the things that He does is He puts us through the fire. He uses the fire to purify us because He wants us to be pure. And the the purity of God's fire helps and assists us to hate sin and live for and love righteousness. And of course, it takes the fire of God in the soul to help to combat the, uh, a lure, lure and pull of the world, uh, the, the lure and pull of inward remaining sin, and even the, the, the lure and the pull and the temptations of the evil one. So, so there's the first thought, the picture of the refiner. I want you to think also, very quickly, of the posture of the refiner. If you look at verse three, it says, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. There was a group doing a Bible study on one occasion. They had come to this verse and they couldn't understand it. A group of young people. So they decided, we'll leave it for a week. They wanted to read more and they wanted to pray over it. And they said that they would return and study it again within a week after a better grasp of its meaning and understanding. One of the girls was visiting a jeweler's shop that week, getting some item repaired. She began to talk to the jeweler. She knew him. And uh, whenever she talked to him about uh, these words A refiner and purifier of silver Thinking about this word sit He brought her into the little workshop at the back And he showed her the whole process And of course he was sitting all the time in the chair And she said to him Do you need to sit? And he said yes I do And you see the sitting Speaks of carefulness the refiner sits and watches and waits. It's a strange work. You see, at times don't we feel that the Lord is asleep to us? That the Lord has his back to us? That the Lord is indifferent to us? That he doesn't care? And we become discouraged and distressed. We think of life's journey. And we all the, the dark um, provinces that, that come into our lives and At times we get angry, at times we get upset, at times we don't understand and we think to ourselves, well why is the Lord not answering my prayer? Why is the Lord not listening to me? Why is the Lord not hearing my cry? Why is the Lord not care for me? Now, Now of course such thinking is all wrong. Don't listen to the lies of Satan in your heart and mind. Always remember his eye is upon you and if God looks after the birds, he looks after the babes. And remember, he does hear you because the the ears of the Lord are open unto the cry of the righteous. And and his heart beats toward you. And what he's doing is he's carefully sitting, watching and waiting for something. Remember, he is thinking about the remaining dross of sin in our lives. And we're not to resist him We're not to rebel against him, but we're to pray, Lord, help me to trust you, even when I cannot trace your hand in my life, because God is sitting carefully before your life, and he is at work. Because the refiner is sitting, watching and waiting for the removal of that dross. Not only does he sit carefully, but he sits in control. You see, I believe that the refiner sits and it speaks of his total and absolute control of every life. He is focused. His mind is on his work. Think of the silver and gold in the melting pot. That silver and gold is precious metal, and you're precious to him. And what he does, he adds the heat gently and slowly. He's melting the precious metal to take away the dross so he can purify the metal. He knows what he's doing. He is sovereign. He has a plan and purpose for your life and for mine. And do you know what? He's a definite plan. And he knows exactly how much you can take. And you might feel, well, I've got wave after wave of trouble. I have been knocked down. This has happened and that has happened. And how much more can I take? Well, the Lord knows. Remember what he tells us there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, a very precious verse. It says this in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as come to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. And over there in the book of Job, In Job chapter 23, I want you to think of the man of God. And I want you to think of all that he suffered. He was a contemporary of old Abraham. And yet he said this. He says, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept, and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment off his lips. How much could Job take? The Lord knew, and Job knew when he had tried me. I shall come forth as gold. I'm sure you've heard of a mother and a child. Think of the little one out playing. It's been raining. It's come in all mucky and dirty. The face is dirty the clothes is dirty the hands is dirty the the child is soaked through to the skin now what does the mum do well well she doesn't slap the child no no she she strips the child she puts the child into the bath of the shower and one of the things that she would do is she would take the the washcloth and she would approach that dirty face with the washcloth and she would start washing the face of that child you can Think of the child sobbing and howling and gowling. I remember my own children when they were small getting bathed and howling and sobbing and gowling. And the mother, what does she do? Well, she keeps doing it. She doesn't stop. She doesn't say, well, that's okay for you to have a dirty face. No, No, she tells the child, I've got to wash your face. And even though it's a hard and difficult process, she wants that face to be shining again. Not stained with the muck And that's a necessary thing And and, and she takes charge And she's in control Because it's her child And you see God knows what we need And he doesn't leave us alone And if a mother does that to her own child How much more will the Lord not do that To his own children It's a deep cleaning work And he's in control It also speaks of confidence You see He sits patiently and confidently because he's got a plan and purpose to wean us off sin and unrighteousness. Over in the book of Ephesians, we read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 and 32, it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender heart at forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. <clears throat> and there's a negative and a positive. Things like envy and greed and jealousy and lies and hatred and selfishness and malice and anger in the heart, ugly words, the loss of a temper, wicked thoughts, evil imaginations, pride, an unforgiving spirit holding a grudge, these things all grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And we're to let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking to put away from us. And we're to be kind one to another. We're to be tender-hearted one to another. We're to forgive one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Can I ask, have you felt the power of the refiner at work in your life? Do you understand that he's using means? That he's sitting with care before your life because he cares for you? That he's in absolute control, that he's a definite plan for your life? And he can sit confidently because you're his. And he's doing a purifying work in your soul. And these things he's dealing with, that you might offer the fruits of righteousness unto the Lord. Could I suggest, thirdly, the process of the refiner? Not only the picture and the posture, but think of the process here. He's not in a hurry. You think of this in a literal sense. I don't know how long it takes to melt silver or gold and remove the dross until it's pure. But in a spiritual sense, remember, it's a lifelong process. And it starts the day you get saved. It will end the day you die and enter heaven. When you uh, are absent from the body And present with the Lord Or or it will um, terminate At the moment when Jesus Christ Returns to earth in power and glory I was thinking this week Of the man called Moses He lived for 120 years His life can be separated into three Forties, forty speaks of testing In the Bible, forty years in Egypt Remember he fled because he took the law Into his own hands And he tried to be a deliverer Of the Jewish people Remember 40 years in the wilderness? He was set aside. What was he doing there those 40 years? I believe he was learning to be a nobody. And then he was called of God. And then he was commissioned of the Lord. And then he ended up saying, well, why me, Lord? I'm a nobody. Lord, take Aaron. Aaron's a better speaker, and so on and so forth. You take then the final 40 years, leading the children of Israel into the promised land. Some people imagine those 40 years were wasted. Forty years of empty, barren living. Why? Why did it take forty years? Because God was doing a reproving work. <clears throat> God was doing a proving work. See, the Lord knows them that are his. The Bible says, Let all that name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And and of course, some metals <clears throat> are harder than others. And the harder the metal, the more fire it needs, and the longer the process. Isn't it easy this morning to be stubborn and to be hard and refuse to yield and hand all over to the Lord? But if you're his, this is what you have to do. And there's a battle going on. And of course, many in the uh, children of Israel that were journeying through the wilderness and left Egypt didn't really belong to the Lord. They weren't truly redeemed. They, They were full of unbelief. And I can hear the Lord saying, "In as far as their lives is concerned, let's apply more heat. He does it gently. He does it as a wise father. And could I say this morning, the Lord's at work in his church, not only in our church, but in my life and in your life. And what's he doing? Well, here's the process. He is removing the draws from our life. He sees the sins of our heart and the sins of our mind and the sins of our hand and the the sins of our thoughts. But the Lord doesn't give up on us. He has bought us with a price. He has a plan and power to save us from sin, not in our sin. And if we're truly His, He will correct us. He will chastise us. He he will counsel us. He will sit as a refiner of silver and gold. He will sit carefully and in a controlling manner with confidence that he can deal with this dross. For he knows the right amount of heat and he knows the right thing to do in his wisdom to deal with our sin. You see, we're his children. We're like jewels in his eyes. We're we're his special treasure. And I want to, to say to you today, think of the process of the refiner. It's lifelong, and he does it because we're his. And even though it feels hard because of the fire, let's remember his plan and purpose. Think lastly of the purpose of the refiner. If we go back to our text there it mentions in the book of malachi in malachi chapter 3 and in the verse 3 and he shall purify the sons of levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the lord an offering and righteousness you think of the sons of levi they were the priests that ministered unto the lord in the old testament they were a people near to the lord a people that he will commune with. A people that he will have fellowship with. A people that he will reveal himself to. A people that he will commission. You see, in this chapter, it talks about serving the Lord. Doing a work for God. He says, serve me here. Serve me there. He, he has called them to the sanctuary work. Just like he has called me onto the uh, sanctuary work. And, and you see... In Malachi's day, the people were being reproved for a number of things. They were reproved because they had robbed God in tithes and offerings. They were counseled, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that they may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. They, they were reproved because they said, it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept the ordinances? and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. You see, the the day had come when many were working wickedness. When, When proud people were called happy and confident people. And those were making accusations against the Lord. A people not only he communed with, a people not only he commissioned, but a people that he consecrated unto himself. It says here, and he shall purify the sons of Levi. The Lord has a people. And remember, as I said in the introduction, quoting First Peter chapter 2, 5 and 9, and, and, and Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, and it made us both kings and priests unto God. That's what we are. We're all priests and kings unto God if you're saved. And God's people should not fight the fire. God's people should not fear the fire. We're not dogs. We're sheep in a shepherd-sheep relationship. We're, We're like precious metal unto the Lord. We're like silver and gold in his eyes. And we ought to have a longing to be holy unto the Lord. That should be our motto. Holiness unto the Lord. Remember the great McShane of Dundee. Remember when he prayed Lord, make me as holy as it's possible for a saved sinner to be. You see, he was not only thinking of the, the, the outward sins, but he was thinking of the secret sins of the heart and mind. He was thinking about presumptuous sins. He was thinking about his faults. And haven't we a multitudinous of faults and secret sins? And, and aren't we presumptions? In so many areas, and at times we're full of unbelief, and at times there is jealousy and envy and, and selfishness within us, and we make decisions that are not according to the will of God. Oh, they might suit us, but we're not thinking of the greater need of the church, community, or family. I believe the Lord delights in this purifying method. I want you to recognize that this is a real fire, it's not a pretend fire. We're not even threatened to be put into the fire. No, this is a real fire, and we're in the midst. And the wonderful thing about the fire process is he's with us by his presence. He is with us by his power. Is the Holy Spirit not like a fire in the soul? Isn't a reference to the Holy Spirit not a reference to his office and work of the ministry? And if we're born of the Spirit and we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit and we're being led by the Spirit, then we will not fight the fire. We, we will not fear the fire because we'll recognize we are his and, and we ought to have a longing to be holy. And that is created by the Holy Spirit. And I am a priest unto God. And he is communing with me today. He has uh, uh, commissioned me to serve him in whatever area uh, he wants me to serve him. Uh, and he has called me to consecrate myself unto him. And I will prove that I am his. Not only in tithes and offerings, but in my time and, and in the way that I will serve him. Maybe this morning as I close, as you're listening to me, Maybe you're cold and backslidden and your life is empty and your heart is hard. Maybe you feel lonely this morning and you feel a vanity about yourself. You really realize that you're living in a sinful and a selfish way. Maybe you are silver in the eyes of the Lord but you're tarnished now. And what does tarnished silver need? Well, it needs polish. And, and I believe that's what he means As a refiner and purifier of silver he, 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 he can restore that Because in the tarny silver He can't see his face Where's the beauty of Christ in your life? Are you living in a worldly manner? Are you living a self-centered life? See the Lord says Come near to me The Lord says he'd be a witness Against all the ungodly The Lord wants you to return. He wants you to be restored. He wants to deliver you from a cold and backslidden state. I pray the Lord will do that today. But but you've got to return. You've got to recognize where you're at. Maybe you're listening to me as we finish and you're you're not saved. And And you're not subject to this refining work. Could I suggest to you today that you're not subject to this refining work? Because there's a worse thing that faces you. You you face the eternal furnace. You you, you face the the place where the fire is not quenched. A a place where God's wrath is poured out continually. A place where where you'll be lost forever. And I want to tell you this morning, you don't have to go to that place. Because there's one called the Lord Jesus Christ who, who suffered the fire of God's wrath for us and he suffered it not only in a physical sense but he suffered it in a spiritual sense remember he said and i finish second corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 for he that is god had made him, that is Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He's our substitute. He's our surety. He's our sin bearer. He's the one who, who satisfied the wrath of God. He's our sacrifice. He's our burnt offering, all that he might become our savior. I want you to listen today to the picture of the refiner. I want you to see his posture, why and how he sits. I want you to realize there's a process going on. And here's the purpose. So that he can have communion and fellowship with us. So he can have a people near him. So that he can commission us to do his will and his work. So he can consecrate us unto himself. And he can say, these are mine. Are you his today? you cold and backslidden? If you're not saved... Remember he said, fear not them which can kill the body, but rather fear him that hath power to throw both body and soul into hell. The Lord bless you this morning.